Cracking. Cool, cool, uh, cool, good. I'll do my intro. Hi, my name is Aquia Jabfi, founder of the British Blacklist. And it is my honor to introduce, well, I'm not going to introduce, I say this every podcast. I don't introduce my guests, I let my guests introduce themselves because partly saves me from doing the research. And, <laughs> um, but also, no, it stops me from missing something off the CV that they might want to say, or they might say, no, nah, no. Nah, I'm not actually a chef because Wikipedia got it wrong. Yeah, so, you people. <laughs> as they do. So tell me, young man, who the hell are you? Who the hell am I? Well, yeah, thank you, Akwa. My name is Nick Bedu. I am the head of production and co-founder of Fully Focused Productions. And I co-founded Fully Focused 10 years ago with my partner, co-founder, Teddy Knight. We are actually old school friends. So it was a very natural collaboration. Fully Focused, for those who don't know, is a non-profit production company that works with and creates content with and for young people. And often this content has kind of positive social messaging or messaging that makes you want to debate and discuss and gets voices out that are not being heard enough within our industry, let alone our society. We run a production company that and is forging great relationships with broadcasters. And we have some content coming out soon on BBC Comedy and the like. And we have a training arm called MYM Academy, where we train young people with production skills and transferable skills too, really, just kind of giving them the ammunition to walk confidently in society and into our industry. We also have a YouTube channel called Million Youth Media, um, which has about 370,000 subscribers now, and I think a total of about 60 million views in the five years that it's been up and running. Um, and that's become like a real platform for filmmakers from underrepresented communities to get their films seen. Like they can come to us and know that they'll get eyes on their films and, you know, promotion. And also the young people that work with us directly at Fully Focus have the opportunity to create content and get that out onto the platform as a distribution platform. So what do you call yourself? In terms of? Job description, like what do you say? Well, I'm head of production at Fully Focus, so I have an overview of everything that's going on, but at the same time, I'm a senior producer. So I do produce some of the bigger scale films that you see on MYM and our broadcast content. The YouTube channel especially, is, as you said, this platform where you can put stuff on there and it can just go nuts. What was the first project that went on MYM Media on YouTube that made you and Teddy say, rah, we were actually onto something here? Well, first off, if I just rewind quickly to the beginning of Fully Focused, we did a film called Riot From Wrong, which was a documentary on the riots where we really had access to a wide range of people that were involved in the riots, from Mark Duggan's family, to people that were out there looting, to lawyers, to politicians, and to young people. So really, that was our first project that gave us the real impetus for Fully Focus. Then if you forward five years to Million Youth Media, I'm trying to think what the first project was, but I, I can't remember exactly. And also, for the first few years of Fully Focused, this is not something, as a, pro a non-profit company, it's not an overtly commercial enterprise like most production companies. So I was still freelancing elsewhere as well. So at the, the time that Million Youth Media was formed, it would have been Teddy and others who got the first films onto the platform. And we did a film called Why Stop, which was a collaboration, I think, with Release. And it was about stop and search 
And we had Purcell Ascot, who's um, gone on to play Kyle in Shiro's story, and he's in Innocence and various things, an amazing talent. So we had him and we had various other actors coming together to create a drama that was trying to get messaging out and important information to young people. So that became a bit of a modus operandi to say, wow, you know what? You can make these dramas and have the content and have the info in there in a, in a clever way and then get it out onto the channel. So that was an early iconic release. And because you're looking at underrepresented, underrepresented voices, there'll be a few narratives that will repeatedly come up. It is about stop and search. It is about racism. It is about young, primarily black youth feeling unseen, unheard and marginalized. Because I feel like there is an overarching trend with working class kids and especially black children or black young kids who have an, an idea and want to tell their story, that it kind of revolves around the same type of thing. It'll be on-road stories, it'll be police harassment stories, it'll be how to get out the struggle. So in the start, that's probably what people will be saying, like, yeah, this is what this is my story, I want to tell it. Did you come from that kind of space yourself in that you want to see these stories seen because it's something that you know, something that you've come from? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Londoner. You know, I'm a Londoner and I was a teenager in London. So at certain times in my life, I wasn't really heading down a very positive path. I ended up going to live in South Africa when I was about 18 because London was just feeling a bit peak and my parents weren't <laughs> feeling me at, at the time in the way I was behaving. But also I remember growing up and watching TV and not seeing my reality ever really reflected back at me. Do you know what I mean? I can't even remember, you know, we, we were trying to watch Fresh Prince. We had Desmond, but we didn't have like our reality, you know? I remember like watching films like Out of Control, which I'm not sure when that was released, but it must be about 20 years ago or something. It was set in a young offenders institution like Felton. And it, it blew me away because of the representation of the reality that was going out. So there's that. And then there's just the, the basic fundamental fact of what can happen out there on the roads is harming a lot of people and people are losing their lives and families are being broken up and split and fragmented and people are going to prison and opportunities are not being provided and kids are getting written off and a whole swathe of youth culture is getting written off. So yes, it's always been in me. It's always been there and underpinning um, my outlook on things to an extent. And it's the same for Teddy. Teddy is white Irish. We were at school together and he is very much embedded in youth culture and in black culture as well. I think he had the same thing. And then when you meet people who have stories to tell and have not seen their stories reflected back at them, but are passionate about it, and then you meet people who have been doing certain things, but then have come out of it and have turned their life around and want to help other young people, it becomes a very passionate movement. So I think there's definitely that passion has kind of created a a tidal wave of, of content and messaging for young people to, to look at and absorb. I was not laughing in quote, but it was a bit like, yeah, you actually got sent back home. That was the threat back in the day. Like, I think my cousins actually did get sent back home. They weren't bad, <laughs> but my two favorite cousins that I grew up like, you know, you got your first cousins that are just like proper, your best friends and best right. cousins. They got sent home and I was devastated. And that was always a threat. If you don't behave, you're gonna get shipped back to Ghana. So. Absolutely. Not, not to get into what you were getting into, but having to go back home, obviously you must be South African. No, I'm not. So this, yeah. is, this, is, this, is, this is the madness. I'm Ghanaian. 
Because do you know what I was going to say, Bedu? That's so Ghanaian. Yeah. But then right. I think, well, I was going to go explore your surname. But yeah. then you said South Africa. So, okay, maybe I got it wrong. Yeah, it's, it's all mad. I'm all mixed up. And I, I, I don't <laughs> mind that. I like that. What I was getting up to wasn't too bad, but it wasn't the right direction. I'd lost respect in the way that I was talking to my dad, who was a proud Ghanaian man. So my relationship with him had crumbled, bless him. I actually went to South Africa. It was a mad story, but I went because... I grew up in Muswell Hill, and in Muswell Hill, the Tambo family, Oliver Tambo was president of the African National Congress, they were in exile in Muswell Hill. Oh, and, wow. he, and he was my next door neighbor. So when I went out there, I went to live with them. Oh, so, so you, you got a different scent back home. You got a I got I got a different got a nice scent back home. home. Yeah, when I got when I got yeah, you know, I, I went out there and I ended up working for uh, Oliver's son Dali, who had his own television program. Um, which was like a chat show. So that's how I fell into TV. I'd done media studies and I wasn't overly academic. Do you know what I mean? So I had an idea of like, I want to work in media, but I just went out there because the opportunity presented itself. And I ended up just being there for four years working on this chat show. That's amazing. How old are you roughly? Uh, I went out when I was about 18. Okay, so that's a pivotal time. That really yeah. is a peak time. Like it could have gone left in the UK and then because I'm obviously going to ask you how you got into it and what made gave you kind of the switch on to like get into making stuff or being a part of production. It was kind of falling into it. And also, again, it was the maths, the science, etc. Those subjects were not my forte. And I knew that I wanted to be creative, which is why I'd done media studies. I didn't go to university. So, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of fell into it, if you like. And then that's interesting because when you go away, I was fostered around about age 10. And I remember... When I came back to London, because I was fostered out into the countryside, coming back to London and trying to reconnect with the people who I knew from young was a bit of a shift. So I've always was a bit of an, an outsider of the groups because I was like, I missed certain points. So the fact that you were able to come back and reconnect with Teddy, what was that like? You just like, you just came back and were like, okay, London, you ready? For, when, how old were you when you came back? As yeah, well? no, the, the, the journey was that I was there for four years. So I came back aged about 22 or something at like the, the turn of the millennium. I'm an old man now. And um, so, so I came back and I, I humbled myself and started at the bottom of the ladder again. And I had a friend who was working at ITV as a runner, you know, entry level, low pay, running about getting porridge for Ant and Deck and whoever might be around, you know, working on SMTV sometimes, you know, you get to meet people like Destiny's Child, all these people. Yeah, yeah. It, was a fun, it was a fun time in the TV entertainment industry. But so I worked there for a while. And then when I left there, I went to work as a cameraman at a production company that was doing a, another breakfast show. And then from there, I ended up doing a lot of like behind the scenes stuff on fashion shoots, kind of forged my own path. Then I got into sports TV. So I was just trying my hand at different things. And I was working for various people doing sports stuff around football because I'm a big football fan. And then I literally bumped into Teddy one day on the escalators at Highbury and Islington Tube. And I had just been given a project from Haringey Council, which was working with young people who were at risk of joining gangs. We were trying to come up with a creative project for them. So we came up with the idea of creating a music video which would talk about their problems, but try and keep it positive and help other young people see the light. And I bumped into Teddy and told him about it. And he was like, oh, I've been directing music videos for the last few years and working with young people. So that was it. Got him in. Everyone loved him. The connection between me and him was instant. You know what I mean? From there, 
we just kind of said, this is what we want to set up. This is like what we want to do full time. Like we can make this work and just help other young people come through into the industry and tell stories that we're not seeing and hearing. So that was kind of how it ignited again. That's such um, synergy, kismet, all that type of stuff. How you, Teddy, work? Who's, what position, what roles do you take? Who's the well, on, good cop, bad cop? <laughs> good cop, bad cop. I'm definitely good cop. <laughs> um, I think it's just my nature. I just love people. I'm kind of eternally optimistic. We all have our ups and downs, but I'm just that kind of love life, love yeah. people type of person. And Teddy is an amazing talent and he's so meticulous and talented and creative. So he's a creative director at Fully Focused and he directs the bigger scale films and I produce them. So even if you go back to our films from like 2016, where we, we produced one called Deep It with Javan and Purcell before they did Shiro's story and everything, it's become like an iconic film that gets shown in schools and prisons and wherever else. And we just really work well together. It's just a, a dynamic that works so well. And then we have another producer with us at Fully Focus called Leah Henry, who is amazing as well. So we've become a bit of a, a triangle now. With, and we have Rosa as well, who's our head of operations. So we work well as a unit at Fully Focused. Um, but Teddy and I, we just have that friendship at the heart of everything we do, you know, and an understanding of each other and how we work. We've been at it for 10 years on and off. So um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, I mean, you need that. You need, and it's it's inter it's nice having someone that comes from where you come from and different but the same. But it's just having that common understanding, and I think that will obviously that has translated into the people that you work with. How you can understand young people that want to tell their story, and being able to tell their story in their way without having someone that like as we talk about the whole issue of representation and the glass ceiling and the fact that you could go through through the doors of commis to commissioners and people like that who don't get it, don't come from our backgrounds, as it were and want to dilute, white out, and remix the story through their lens. So I think it's, it's important that you guys come from this space. Then there is that tipping over point, because I worked at Channel U for a while, and okay. I remember there was a moment where every video was the same. And I think we went, if you're, you know, we're similar age, I think, I, don't, I might be older than you, I'm not sure. That there was a moment when, you know, if you're into hip hop and stuff, there was a moment where you know the hip hop video, you know, it's going to be in the, on the block with a couple of pit bulls, and that type of thing. And that thing translated over to the Channel U videos. The hood video would be a bunch of men on the block looking very menacing. So I remember there was a point where myself and um, Ricky Blur of uh, 93, I think that's the name of the label now, but anyway, Ricky Blur at the time, he would, I'd assist him in picking videos. And sometimes we'd have to feed back and say, look guys, let's think outside the box. Let's push your ideas and not have the same repetitive narrative because then you are literally selling a stereotype, living up to the stereotype that they think you are, and that you, that, you know, limiting your creativity. So how do you allow for people who want to tell that story, but now they're in the space where this story has kind of been told. So how do you remix it and tell it differently? Or do you, what do you look for, I guess, when someone comes to you with an idea? Well, there's two kind of, two arms to that. So one with fully focused productions, people send us scripts and we, read the scripts together and put them into like a script incubation process. And I guess what we're looking for really is in terms of that is scripts and ideas that can stand out. So it could be along a familiar subject, but if it's got an angle that's different and is not just saying the same thing, then you have, I think, more belief in it, you know, in, in where it can go. And then 
on the channel MYM, so Million Youth Media has a youth panel. So everything that goes on MYM gets decided by the young people. They watch it and they say yes or no. And so if it fits in with the ethos of what they believe in, of subjects that they're passionate about, that they think the story's been told well and is not gratuitous for the sake of it and has an overall 360 that means it deserves you know, space on the platform, then that's what they do. And none of the senior team have a say in that. It's completely, you know, autonomous to them, to their panel, you know? And, and that's what I love. And then when we started Fully Focused, that's what we always wanted. We wanted to have a space where this was just young people cultivating what content was being distributed, you know? I mean, you've, I think you've just literally exposed the, what's the word? the genius of it all and what every commissioner is looking for because I've worked at BBC, I've worked in other spaces and all they're running around saying, oh, how do we get the young people? How do we get the young people engaged? And not, I mean, absolutely 100% losing sight of the fact that you get to a certain age, no matter what you, you can be the coolest person in the room, you get to a certain age, your mindset and your vision and your perception of life changes. So you're never ever really I don't know, maybe, maybe there's one or two that can really stay with the young people. It just doesn't work. And so you're not gonna have that mindset. And I, I was gonna say, so how do you keep from, cause I suppose now you're Uncle Nick, <laughs> as it's <laughs> some of the creatives, how do you stop from saying now, yeah, now, now, young man, young woman, you know, this story is a bit too much, but then yeah. this is what it is, you've got the youth council. Exactly, we've got the youth council. And, and for example, we've got a couple of films um, that came on our channel recently, one was directed by one of our MYM producers, Thibaut, that was called For Fleur. And that was set in a children's party in the suburbs, but two guys in there who knew each other from back in the day and had a beef meet up coincidentally at this party and there's just a bit of tension, but it's not violent. You never see any violence. You just get the, the feeling and the fact that it's set in a children's party really kind of puts that message home like whoa hang on a minute let's just step back a second look at it from this angle uh, you know that's mad that got passed by the panel and that's an example of how to look at a topic that's been looked at in many films but with a new angle we also just had another film called step back on our channel which is doing really well it's about knife crime but it's about what you do when you step back and have a look at it so actually his life something happens and then life goes in reverse and you see how it could turn out. So it's creative angles on everything, you know? And in terms of how we kind of stay on top of it, fortunately, I'm naturally a big kid in terms of my content consumption and my outlook on things. So I'm often watching YouTube. I'm a massive music fan, been on music from day dot, from the garage and jungle days up through to hip hop, UK hip hop, everything. I was on the scene. I know people, it's my lifeblood. Every day I have to have music. So I can still hear like a gets track now and just sit back and just listen to the creativity in the cadence and wordplay and just be like, oh my gosh. And like have to go and hail him up, you know? So in terms of like music, fashion, like the, the clothes that I wear, I think a lot of it is about accepting who you are, you know, and knowing that you can bring your strength and you don't have to look a certain way, be a certain way. You can still be confident in yourself because you know what you're about and what you want to happen. When you do that, you're, you're calm. And when you're seeing the 360 of the content that's being created, 
I can watch a drill video one second and then I can watch a documentary that is emotional and is trying to persuade people to leave a certain life behind. Then I can watch a wildlife film with my kids. Then I can watch sport. It's just a 360. It's having such an open mind and being able to watch anything, you know? I'm the same as you in every way, except I struggle with music now because I used to be in music. I came in through music. I always thought I was going to, because the Source magazine was my Bible. So that's been yeah, my inspiration yeah. from day one. I got, got my source. I got my sources there, still oh, there. Oh, no way. I got a bunch, I got a stack, I got a stack. That was always because I was going to like, I'm going to do the UK's source magazine. So my dreams were realised in this mad different way. When I went to Channel U, I was like, yeah, I'm going to work at One Extra. I just thought that was going to be me. But now it's more visual arts and stuff like that. I can't listen to music in the same way. And I, it bothers me, but it is what it is. I just can't, I can't read the same way and I can't listen to music because I've got to watch so much or I've got to edit. And when I'm editing, I've got to be silent. So I don't... Myself. So it's just interesting. I, I envy that you can still stay plugged into music in the way that you're saying you are. Because I literally, um, if it wasn't for my daughter, I might be a little bit fuddy-duddy right now. <laughs> listening to Nas and Mary J. Blige for life. And that's I listen. I still listen to them. I still listen to it all. 90s hip-hop. Yeah. More recent hip-hop. And it's all totally changed. But there's still nuggets of amazing yeah, creativity yeah. out there. Do you know what? As you get older, you get busier. So yeah. it is harder to listen to music and keep up to date with things. But if you've got Spotify on your phone and you're yeah. out, you're walking, you're cycling, whatever yeah. it might be, there's always time for music, you know? Yeah, I, I try. I try. I go through moments of like, oh, my God. And I thank God for my daughter because she keeps me at least a little bit hip to the game. <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> but um, I was going to say, so Shiro's story, obviously, like, do you feel like proud fathers? Well, Shiro's story is not anything to do with Fully Focused directly. Ratman created it, and Ratman had been doing his thing for a while. Big up Ratman, amazingly talented young man. So with Shiro's story, yeah, we didn't have a direct relation to it. When it blew up, I saw it, I loved it. I know Purcell and Javan, they're like my, my brothers, or they're my, my little bros, you know? They call me, they call me and Teddy the OGs, but um, yeah, yeah. they are phenomenally talented. So when I saw this, I knew it was going to blow. And then you just watched the, the view count go up by the millions. And you were like, yes, these guys are doing it. And Ratman and, and the way that he'd done it with music was just amazing. I guess the fact that we made films like Deep It with Purcell and Javan and Rewind Forward. So Deep It, I think, was the first time that Javan and Purcell stepped away from their more kind of lighthearted comedy, mandem on the wall stuff, and did something that was serious and emotional. And they showed within one film how talented they were. And we did another one with them, Rewind Forward, also on the channel, which is about restorative justice. So I guess we've kind of silently helped pave the way for other filmmakers to see the potential in certain talent and narratives and to be confident in telling your story. Yeah, I think, yeah, because I was, I was attributed, yeah, I went to, should have asked the other way around, like the fact that you work with um, Purcell and Jovan, and then they've gone on to do this, and then... Shiro's story is born and then Blue's story is born and then it's that paper trail of like okay who gave them the first chance who allowed them because I suppose I think black creatives as well once you get on that commercial space and it's you want to tell other stories and if you're boxed in and feeling like I'm risking it all because of the way the industry is actually having an outlet where they can be another facet of themselves yeah I, I, I sure. see what you're saying and I think, yeah. we're still working with Purcell and Javan on yeah. developing stuff now with broadcasters and we're in a time now where topics that seem really heavy handed 
can still be looked at from all manner of angles and fresh angles and new dynamics, you know, and like, for me, I May Destroy You is such a benchmark because of the direction that she took it all in, Michaela Cole took it in. For sure. And so let's talk about this, um, this big old Netflix deal. Like, give, yes. me, give me some money to make something, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so Netflix, I mean, what can I say? They've been uh, amazingly supportive from the moment that our relationship began, which is not long ago at all. They'd actually been watching MYM, and that's a beautiful thing. Like, you stay true to what you believe in, a decade passes, but over the years you get increased industry recognition and obviously everything's been accelerated with the Black Lives Matter movement last year. But essentially Netflix and a lot of other people have kept being keeping an eye on Fully Focused and on MYM, which is why we have so many conversations going now with all the various broadcasters. But what Netflix wanted to do specifically was invest in MYM Academy. So invest in the training program. They essentially want to be there for, to, just to help kind of incubate the, the talent that's out there and is not getting a chance. So they saw that we had a training program in place and ultimately said, listen, we want to be with you on this story and on this journey, really. So we'd like to invest in what you're doing. So that was the beginning of the conversation. That's not a bad start to place to start a conversation for us, you know. So Francis at Netflix led those conversations and then they have Anne Mensa there as well, who's doing amazing things with the content. And then we just, we had a, a series of meetings and there's been a lot of young people out there who have so much talent and so much potential that we just want to help realise. So we had a fair few on our books already, a good like 30 young people already. And what Netflix is funding is going to do is help us to open it out to more young people and, and just to make the the offering more robust, more masterclasses, more pathways, more opportunities. And also, of course, they're going to have the opportunity to go and create content. It's not mega money. You know, there's series out there that are costing however much per episode and whatnot. This is just a kind of basic pot of money that the young people at the MYM Academy can use to have discussion about what's important to them and then go and create their own content from. So that is a beautiful thing. Bottom line, you, you can't make films about money. You know, where do you find budget to go and make content that truly represents how you're feeling as a young person? Where do you get kit from? You know, you're out there, you're juggling jobs, you're at uni, you're a carer, whatever it might be. It's not easy out there to get a film made, to big up every filmmaker that has an idea and goes about trying to get it yeah. done. Huh? Yeah, I'm telling you. Aside from the Academy, which I can't join, thanks. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> What's next, like, fully focused? Like, are we getting into making films that could be Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning? That's the goal, yeah. always, always. I mean, we're, we're in discussion and development with a few broadcasters at the moment. Also, our first broadcast commission in terms of comedy or drama. This is a comedy uh, with BBC Comedy, who have been amazing and have really backed us. And we've created this comedy called Prue, which is set in a pupil referral unit. And it's a totally fresh look at it. It doesn't look how you imagine a pupil referral unit's going to look. We want it to be a celebration of the young people whilst looking at the issues they face. We want to celebrate them, celebrate who they are, their culture, and humanise rather than demonise, which is a lot of what a lot of society does to young people who get excluded from schools. That's coming out in March. It's funny. It's got 
Tom Mucci, it's got M. Bantz, who's on YouTube and has been smashing it for the past year. Uh, so many amazing people. So, okay, that's cool. So we're looking at big stuff coming from- we're Looking at stuff coming. We, and we've, we had a, we've had this thing with E4 where we um, led a kind of talent search throughout the country to find four new faces of E4, or it's an E4 Talent Academy as well. So essentially they're gonna just get training and mentoring from professional people and creative people, but amazing mentors with a view to integrating them gradually into what E4 does and possible programming. So we, we've been running that. And then we've got another film that we've made, we made last year, which will be ready to release soon. And we're looking at possibly turning into a series which has got big names in it and Purcell's in it. It's got cameos from Ian Hart. It's got people from London. It's got people from Liverpool. Um, it's it's going to be amazing. And aside from that, I've also kind of, over the last few years, I also done a bit of freelancing. So I, I co-produced a feature documentary on Teddy Pendergrass which did really well and um, was on Showtime in the States and Sky Arts and BBC Two here, did really well. So that was great for having an overview of how to work within a big scale production like that in terms of movies. But yeah, we're, we're taking it step by step. We're building on everything that we do. We're providing opportunities for young people. And yeah, the sky's the limit. Like we just want to keep telling stories that are good and that people will enjoy watching but we'll also have important messages coming out. And we're, we're well planning to do feature series, TV series, broadcast, feature films, the lot. We're, the sky's the limit. And that's what we have to tell ourselves and the young people while staying balanced and grounded, you know? I think you've, you've done the groundwork. And I, I do say there's this 10 year thing and I've, I've watched it from when I launched TBB to where it is now, to what other people have launched things around a similar time. That is the 10 year mark where you've learned what you can learn and then it's like the tipping point and that's when it turns over and you start getting to the next space and it's either the next space where it goes big or it's like nah you need to go back to working your nine to five and drop it or whatever the case is so it's, it's interesting it's good to see you've done well so this is a quick getting to know you part what sentence or word would you use to describe your life right now right now today i'd have to say blessed mm -hmm. i feel privileged to be in a position to work with an organization like Fully Focused that does what we do. So I'd say blessed, privileged, and it's very rewarding work. It's hard work, but it's rewarding work. Yeah, really blessed. Like I woke up this morning to a message from Teddy to our whole Fully Focused staff team saying, you know, how happy he was to and feeling blessed to be able to work with everyone. So we have a real positive vibe and we look after each other at Fully Focus. It's not just like cold, hard, make content go. Nah, it's holistic. We're a family. We care. We call out of hours. We're always there. Do you know what I mean? We've got an amazing youth team manager called Jade um, who looks after everything that the young people do. We've got Jade Davidson just joined as a MYM channel promo and yeah because she's going to be managing everything in terms of the marketing of mym oh, wow, so, yeah so so it's, it's 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 a beautiful thing so yeah i mean i feel i feel lucky i feel blessed i feel privileged and i feel determined to keep going oh, that's nice nice so give me um a book that you have to have with you wherever you go wherever you move wherever you are you've got to have that book on your shelf oh a book a book oh a book that has to be on my shelf I've just got a new one called Empire Land, which I'm about to start reading. 
don't know if it's good yet. So. I, I don't, I don't. Funnily enough, I'm reading, and he splits opinion, but I'm reading the Obama um, autobiography at the moment. Okay. And the one thing that I can take from it is the inspiration of moving forward with what you believe in, positive legacy, positive social change. So that one, I'm definitely finding inspirational at the moment. I thought A History of Seven Killings was phenomenally written by Marlon James. Yeah, I think I've, do you know what? I think for some reason I got through it, it's epic. And I swear, whatever happened in life, there's a last chunk that I haven't finished, but it's a wicked right. book. Yeah. I don't know what happened to me. Something probably life got busy or something. Yeah, it's a bad boy book. Yeah, and reading actually is something that I put aside for a long time, but I keep saying it to my kids, like reading is, is everything. It just gives you so much, you know, fortifies you. So um, I'd say those, and a lot of people say kind of the, the self-help books, like The Secret and everything, but I haven't read those, to be honest. So for me, it's more the kind of fiction that has inspired me, you know? Literally, same. I've read The Secret, I've read, um, what's the other one, The Alchemist, everyone quotes. I hmm. Honestly, I, I must do a discussion on this. I didn't... I didn't see the deepness of the alchemist. I just was like, all right, I, I, I missed the point. I know someone would be like, you're so stupid. This is what it's all about. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't know, I don't care. But it is me, I'm a fictional person. I grew up, fiction is what has informed all my common sense. So yeah, oh. that. give me a TV show or film that you've got to watch regardless, that you watch repeatedly. Every time it's on, it will stop you in your tracks. You're going to watch it. Oh, anytime it's on. Well, first off, I think the greatest show ever created is The Wire. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. The Wire is my benchmark for life. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to get a wired tat on my back because it's everything. So The Wire for me, yeah, The Wire is the benchmark. I think that Game of Thrones for the scale of its filmmaking it's, was a astonishing, mm -hmm. um, just to show what's possible. And then um, Close to Home, I May Destroy You, which only came out last year, I just think is just, Phenomenal, phenomenal, benchmark, game-changing, you know? Give me a single, a song or an album that either your people can put on, they know that Nicky's going to come in and just blow his head off, or it's just like, yeah, it just defines you and who you are. I would say... Budruban until Shiloh. Okay. That'd be one of them. Okay. From living in South Africa, that really helped form... Um, at the time, the way I looked at the world and the way that I could sit back and meds on it, you know, and it's got the, the big tunes in there that you can come into the dance and just blast off, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd say, I'd say Till Shiloh, um, a Kano made in the manner. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, the best British album of the past five years or so, it's just got everything. It takes you back to a time when you were a kid outside yeah. the ice cream van on the street. It covers so many different facets of the UK and it's innovative in the music and the way that it uses the different influences he has, you know? Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Something you saw on stage, and that could be a play, a concert or a performance, that stayed with you, that impacted you in some way? Definitely the first half of Hamilton. Okay. Which was mind-blowing. First half, second half. First half. <laughs> second half went a bit generic. But, That's what I'm saying. Oh my God, yes. You absolutely. know what I mean? Agree, it didn't yeah, need to yeah. go there. It could have kept it, kept yeah. up the momentum. Yeah. But it was it was mind-blowing in the use of hip-hop and rap and to yeah. tell the story. Okay, cool. And what's made you sad, mad and glad this week? Sad, mad and glad, like that. <laughs> um, 
sad. My mum hasn't been very well recently, so that's made me sad. What has made me mad this week? <laughs> I guess I guess seeing the madness of people like Donald Trump and the, the blind fanaticism of the people that support him, that has made me mad. What has made me glad? I think the spirit of the fully focused family around me definitely helping you get through times, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, and just the spirit behind everyone and, and what we are and what we do. Okay, thank you. That's it. Yeah, is there anything else you want to say? I think we covered everything. Yeah, we, we covered a lot. No, just that. I think in terms of content, times are changing slowly but surely. So there is opportunity out there. You know, just write that script. I know how easy it is to have an idea, but then not actually start writing it. But keep writing, keep getting scripts off, keep thinking of what you can do. We have a time, we're in a time where you've got YouTube and you can go and make stuff on a phone. M Bance is an example of that, how he's built up this following from doing comedy with just a phone and himself. 20 years ago, you needed a production company and half a million pounds to go and get an idea off the ground. Now you can have a phone. Keep creating, keep inspiring, keep positive and keep looking and loving the people and, and cultures around you. Thank you so much, Nick. It's been great talking to you. You um, too, you too. Well. Man, amazing. Well done, man.